This is New York Truck Stop Radio, the voice of small business in New York City, with your hosts, Arthur and Zach Miller. Arthur Miller is a New York City attorney with more than 35 years' experience handling transportation issues and traffic tickets. Zach Miller is the publisher of NewYorkTruckStop.com. This radio program is your insider's guide to the legislation and political developments that affect your bottom line. Stay tuned for timely insight on current events in the trucking industry, commercial fleets, logistics, and more. Now, the voice of small business in New York City, here are Arthur and Zach Miller. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome to uh, New York Truck Stop Radio, the voice of small business in New York, presented by NewYorkTruckStop.com and the law office of Arthur Miller. I'm Zach Miller. And I'm Arthur Miller. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Loaded show this week. Um, Have a lot of guests with us. We're going to be talking about a topic that I think you've all heard lots of, which is the... um, probable legalization of marijuana in the state of New York. Um, So I think let's just have everyone introduce themselves quickly and uh, we'll get into the conversation. Okay, good morning. Uh, My name is Tiffany Donaldson with Donaldson Legal Counseling. I'm a small business attorney. I'm Noah Potter. I am the executive director of the New York City Cannabis Industry Association, also an attorney uh, with a uh, background in drug policy reform uh, back to the early 90s. And hi, I'm David Holland. I'm a litigation attorney here in Manhattan, and I'm also the executive and legal director of Empire State Normal, which is New York chapter of National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws. And with Noah Potter, I'm a co-founder and president of the New York City Cannabis Industry Association and also co-founder of the Hudson Valley Cannabis Industry Association. Fantastic. Thank you all for joining us. Um, so let's let's do it. Let's get into the weeds here. I apologize for the pun. It, <laughs> it had I, to come out. It had to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll be the only one today. No, but 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 seriously, because I think first let's sort of talk about the fact that um, the city, state, and feds are all not exactly on the same page here when it comes to marijuana legalization. It seems like. I mean, with feds, I know, but it does seem like there's also a little bit of a pull between the city and the state. Yeah, it certainly seems like the, the, the trajectory is something's going to happen in New York. So where are we uh, vis-a-vis uh, New York State, New York City? You know, what, what, what's happening? So, yeah, we, we have a number of things going on. On the federal level, while it's still illegal, Congress has taken great pains to handcuff itself <laughs> so that it can't actually enforce the federal law and go after any of the states that have medical uh, legal medical programs. New York State, through the governor, has actually proposed what's called the Cannabis Regulation and Taxation Act, which is within the um, the budget that he just put out in January on the 15th. And that has a proposal for legalization for the state. And uh, if that does not successfully pass in the budget on April 1st when it gets voted on, the legislature may again, as they did in 2019, mm-hmm. put out their own version, which is the MRTA, or the Marijuana Regulation Taxation Act. And the city is looking very keenly at what that will mean to them and that's one of the focuses that Noah Potter and I have been working on with the cannabis industry associations. Well, Noah, let me ask you this, though, because is is the city prepared for legalization if it, if it is to pass in April or, or in June? I mean, are we are we ready for this? Well, thank you for the softball there. Um, <laughs> the easy the easy pitch. Uh, I have I have said consistently that the city is not prepared. Uh, in fact, I I uh, wrote a piece published uh, in Cranes. Um, this was about it was a year ago uh, called uh, Hurricane Mary Jane, <laughs> which is about the 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 storm of cannabis legalization that will hit the city 
um, if uh, if the if the state law passes, the city is not prepared. I mean, no no disrespect to our uh, to our our hardworking public servants at the at the city level. It's just a it's really complicated. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done. There are a variety of different elected officials have spoken out about legalization. The mayor has spoken. The council members have spoken. The public advocate has spoken. Several to the district attorneys have spoken. Some of them anyway. Uh, the comptroller. But there, it's it, nobody. It, it, there hasn't been a unified voice on the part of the city to the extent that, as I've said, it's not even clear what part of the city government is intended to be the 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 point agency uh, or the coordinating agency to deal with cannabis legal implement legalization and implementation. Uh, there's a huge market. It's the largest cannabis market in the world, or so the common wisdom goes. Uh, the Karachi is, is is number two, um, but this is a huge and sophisticated cannabis market. It's not a matter of the government creating it. It's about the government recognizing and working with it, or that so has our been our position. Uh, so no, we, we I I would certainly have said consistently the city government the city is not ready for it. And and, and, and I guess likewise the the state so the, the we're not I, I don't think it's clear yet what type of uh, 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 agency or, or who would run any state program? Well, actually, so in the governor's CRTA bill um, and in the MRTA, there's the creation of what's going to be the Office of Cannabis Management. Um, and the legislature has one idea how to do that, and the governor has another. But it would be essentially a six-person board with an executive director. They would roll out um, the entirety of the different programs, how that would take place, um, some of the goals that are uh, part of that that you hear a lot about now, social equity, community redevelopment, and reinvesting in trying to resurrect those communities that have been lost to the drug wars and were over-persecuted and over-prosecuted. Those are goals. So they actually do have that, but the city hasn't quite had a chance to catch up on, on that bell curve because it hasn't really gone to, this, to the local level yet. Right. Um, but one of the things Noah and I have been working on is talking to city officials about trying to prepare for that day because you already have the world's largest, most lucrative market, you know, and is there a way to access and bring that market legal rather than recreating it? Uh, so let me ask you this, actually. So the the Office of Cannabis Management, would they be the ones to approve permitting and licensing to businesses, to allow businesses to open up? Uh, on the state level, that's correct, okay. yes. Okay, interesting. So so interestingly, and, and, and we had talked before, one of the things to anticipate is uh, a, uh, there would be rules for who can uh, truck it. In other words, who can who can carry if it comes from a, a – I, I assume it would have to be from a producer within New York State. Yeah, you can't you cross can't, state, you can't lines, cross state lines. So it would have to come from a producer within New no, York State. No, people don't. But and then, so, so <laughs> Legally, perhaps, you can't. So <laughs> perhaps some producers would uh, truck their own, but maybe they would want to hire a firm – to uh, to truck whatever it is that they grow, and then would have to go to whatever uh, processing facility unless they process themselves. So that that's all something that's being discussed. Uh, Th- yes, that's absolutely right. Um, it, there are a number of different license classes that would come out, but uh, the basic ones would be the cultivators that grow it, the people that then process it after them, the transportation licenses, which gets it from the growers to the processors and the processors to the retailers, and then the retail licenses themselves. That's the big umbrella of stuff. I, 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 should, I should mention that as people presumably are aware, there's a medical cannabis system that's uh, been in place for a few years. The, um, there would be revisions. The, the pending legislation also uh, changed the medical program. Um, but the existing medical system 
subject of, of debate and controversy is entirely vertically integrated, meaning that the entire uh, the, the, the entire supply side must take place within one uh, corporate entity. So from from manu- from cultivation, processing through retail sale must all be done within one what they, the technical term is a registered organization, and that includes transportation as well. Mm-hmm. There's no outsourcing to uh, other other um, other entities, other players. Uh, then the the uh, the adult use market is contemplated by the pending legislation would completely break that apart so that you have multiple players uh, and so for one of the one, the there's a, a trucking permit that's comp- contemplated right. there are a few basic license categories there's a a wide range of special permits that contemplated in legislation uh, one of which is a um, is a trucking is a, a trucking permit. I, got to, I feel like we have like a, a Houston Astros thing going on here because I was just about to ask you about that, Noah, because um, you you mentioned to me um, before before we got in here that um, it's the, the way the state has done medical marijuana was not particularly good. And if that's the way they're going to do um, recreational marijuana, it could create a whole host of problems. Well, first, as a technical matter, we tend not to say on the activist side recreational. With the term of art is uh, adult use. Adult, okay. Uh, just <laughs> F- FYI, I mean, you call you call it general use, you could, and, and the variety, but just recreational has a bunch of is uh, basically pejorative implications. Uh, but I, I, yes, I have been a uh, a fierce critic. Uh, perhaps one of the fiercest critics of the medical program, uh, even before it came out. When I saw what was happening to legislation in 2013 and then in 2014, leading into July of that year, uh, I said, forget it. This is so bad, so bad that, in fact, we should all oppose this legislation, ditch it, and just go for a full-scale legalization, which at that point was possible because the MRTA, that which Dave referenced, had already been introduced by Senator Kruger and Assemblymember Crystal People-Stokes. Um, it, w- it was bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. And as I said to you, it is, it is an inversion, if not perversion, of the idea of a medical cannabis system. But so be it. And for years... Uh, the legislature has been trying to fix the problem with that bill, and that is been has been a cause of concern, at least for me, that if that same attitude uh, that shaped the current medical system carries over to the general uh, adult use market, that would be very problematic because the potential the, the potential for failure is great. The consequences are great at a, at a minimum. If the bill as currently drafted comes into effect, at a minimum, you're going to foster uh, extensive disrespect and disregard for the law because you're going to have a, a, a regulatory system that does not defer to the existing market but attempts to, um, well, uh, c- control the existing market in a way that's infeasible. The market's too big, and nobody in this city is going to pay attention. They're not going to say, oh, we will calmly and meekly await your approval to <laughs> exist. It already exists. They don't, they don't care. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It, like, just it is. There, the, the levels of this absolutely. I, I don't A lot think of anybody's really puzzle. thinking about. Well, that's why it's great that you guys put this organization together. Um, how have the conversations gone between some of the legislators um, and some, I guess, agencies about your concerns and, and how you think this um, adult use should, should happen? 
I got to tell you, they have been incredibly receptive to the conversations. Even those that are the naysayers, they want to learn more, they want to hear more, and they want to wrap their head around it. Um, Part of the job that we have as an an association, and Noah and I particularly as really advocates have been doing this for 20 plus years, if not longer, um, is to destigmatize what it is, to debunk some of the propaganda about how we got here, try try to undo some of the historical um, non-lessons that have been mm-hmm. learned. You know, <laughs> I won't say it's uh, use the word fake, but people have uh, conju- conjectured in their mind how we must have gotten here and how evil this plant must be that millions of people have been arrested and it happens to be all in communities of color where you're really seeing manifestations on levels um, unparalleled anywhere else. Um, so that's a big job for us to undertake. Um, so in doing that and meeting with city officials, we're now starting to get what are their sense of what does it take to roll that out and what are the political dimensions of the decisions they have to make that from the advocacy side, and particularly when I was w- with, with Normal, who I'm with, you know, we don't have privy conversations like that, like we've recently been able to have with people because nobody took it seriously. Now they're taking it very seriously. I have a feeling one of the concerns is, as we were talking about earlier, one of the uh, increases in impairment in driving mm-hmm. and how how to measure that. So I think it you know, is one of the major reasons why it hasn't been legalized. People point to that as one of one concern. So and I'm glad you brought that up because the the notion that there's an increased level of impairment is actually not scientifically proven out and the AAA association recently came out with the report um and and here's the really difference between that and alcohol alcohol is is uh oxidized and 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 is through your system in a matter of hours that's why they have to get a breathalyzer a certain amount of time and, and if i may alcohol is the same whether it's in beer or wine or whatever it's it's a it's a chemical a chemical formula absolutely and and it's and it's metabolically dealt with fairly quickly cannabis is fat soluble so you can trace it 30 days after you might have had somebody that's ingested it so you're not seeing any correlation, you're not seeing causation between the person having consumed it and them being in the accident, because you may not be able to tell how much actual, how many nanograms of actual active THC are in their system. But you can only show, look, they may have consumed it in 30 days. So that may show you that more drivers that happen to get tested have been using it, but that doesn't prove to you either in a, in a correlation that's strong or a causation at all that people are using it in greater numbers and that use is actually causing the rise in, in traffic accidents. That, that, that statistic just doesn't exist yet that I've seen in any study. Well, and let me, let me come in and, and, and emphasize, I think, one of the uh, terms, the terms that uh, Dave just used. The correlation-causation uh, relationship uh, requires a, a greater attention. Um, there is a tendency on the part of the political movement in opposition to legalization, and it is a political movement. Legalization is a political movement that's made legalization happen. There's a political movement that has, that fought, that fought legalization and maintained, really exercised hegemony over the federal government and every level of government and even the the type of uh, public discourse that was permissible. the opponents of legalization who work hard to obstruct it in any, any way uh, possible will uh, conflate causation and correlation. In fact, I, don't, not, I haven't seen any recognition that there's a distinction. So the imprecise use of language to say marijuana-related traffic accidents 
What does that mean, marijuana-related? You say that you're testing someone and finding that they're testing positive for THC metabolites. Mm-hmm. What, where is that caused something to happen? The THC caused something to happen a day later, a week later, a month later, et cetera. So that's one of the nuances in the conversation that must uh, come out. Uh, and a, sort of a bigger picture, I would say a meta issue, A few, there's a few meta issues to put everything in context. One is that the, the society is attempting to control cannabis uh, in a manner analogous to alcohol. In fact, that was probably a, an evolution. The, the legalization that we describe is really transitioning cannabis uh, away into an alcohol control-like model. It was the, the initial attempts to medicalize it would be, uh, what was done in, in New York was to move cannabis into a pharmaceutical control model. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that's done is building off of the past, even if the, the substance itself is uh, in, inherently different in significant ways, the regulatory system is looking, they're looking for a model. You know, when you sure. draft a contract, you work off of a form of a contract mm-hmm. and you tweak well it for, 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 for the immediate purposes. So I, I'd say that that's, in a way, what's, be, what's done with regulatory systems. And they, they also have to kind of, in order to come up with good legislation, they have to consider all of the factors on the table. And one of them we were talking about earlier is going to be how they're going to implement um, with marijuana if it's legal, how are they going to regulate that in positions where, you know, you're driving a vehicle, you're operating a forklift, or you're watching children, uh, something where the client or the customer isn't going to want the person that they're hiring to have any type of impairment. Alcohol's not allowed, but THC is hard to tell. How are they? How are they addressing that? Which is seems like one of the obvious issues they need to work on. Well, one 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 way to do it would be, I suppose, to like what we what we saw at the New York City level the um, the last year, the ordinances that passed last year, which is a categorical prohibition on use by certain professional categories, which. I mean, to my mind, makes sense. I mean, there may be other more nuanced approaches that are out there, but to be safer than sorry, you would say that a, a, a EMT, let's say, for example, an EMT is not permitted to consume. I mean, I, I believe that's one of the categories that was excluded. I am um, sure. Yeah, so, so, um, so that's one approach. You say categorically no, because your position is too sensitive to allow to to allow you out of the pro- prohibited class. Um, but in terms of impairment, I think that, uh, just to switch back a little bit, jump back into transportation, um, the an alternative to testing for metabolites is to test for uh, fun- functional impairment. Right. Uh, and I believe that that's been the, uh, the advocate's position as the alternative is to say, let's, let's test actually for impairment rather than rely on a uh, on, a, on a chemical marker of some kind as the as the as a simple test. But you're talking yes, about no. testing for impairment after the fact. Uh, you're uh, not right. going to get somebody. You can't hire two people no. to drive to forklift so the first person can test them. I, so I don't no. know how far can that argument go because I don't <laughs> no, think it made well, it past me. Okay, no, there's a, so there's a, so there's a difference there actually. So yeah, I think that that's fair that I'm I'm comparing two different categories. There's an analogy really that in. Um, 
that that functionality impairment test is an after the fact thing that would be used at a uh, at a roadside at a stop at a, at a traffic stop right. um, when the uh, when when law enforcement is attempting to determine whether the driver is uh, is impaired. Um, I'm not talking that, and so that's. As a, that's a, another like a approach. Non-professional. Well, no, uh, but that's that's or, yeah. that's safety long, that's, sensitive. That's but you raise a very good uh, a very good issue because also you know, there's a uh, and, and and it's sort of a side issue that they're worried about the medical qualifications of drivers who may suffer from sleep apnea and they're uh, talking about requiring tests and things. So somebody who may tend to fall asleep at the wheel. So somebody who's falling asleep at the wheel uh, is obviously impaired. But God forbid they have an accident. I'm sure they're wide awake. <laughs> so if they were to be tested after, how do you test for that impairment? So uh, same thing with something else. If if it if it just leads to drowsiness or or uh, inattentiveness, uh, is that would technically be impairment if there was a way to measure it. But uh, uh, how do you measure it right at the uh, uh, at the time it's relevant? So one of the things in the governor's bill is actually to develop roadside what they're calling oral fluid tests. So it's not quite a saliva test. It's going to be something that does probably the equivalent of a cheek swab that we'll be able to do and uh, some sort of um, uh, I'm not sure what the indicator would be. Um, but it would certainly give them some indication of it. And then, like they do in any other alcohol-related thing, there'd be um, coordination tests and all those. But regular field tests don't really apply because the, uh, uh, the way that cannabis and THC particularly impacts the nervous system is very different for motor function than it is what alcohol does. So nystigmus tests and all those don't come out quite the same way. But if, if I could, Tiffany, going back to what you're saying about you don't, you know, hiring two people to run a forklift. There's a big difference, though, between somebody working in a warehouse and somebody driving on a public road. And that's where the classes of disqualification come from. Like surgeons have to be ready to do life-saving operation on people that have no say. Bus drivers, airplane pilots, people have no say over whether they want to get on board with that person or not because they have no way to evaluate them. In smaller settings where you're not in a public setting but you're working for your employer, I think they view that slightly differently, though I, I can't say how New York will shake out on that. But that is, I think, the determining factor between professional license classes and public access license classes and just regular folks like you and me. So, so but, uh, just to be clear, and this is also a, a, a huge issue, is uh, you know what are the sort of the, what are the rights of the employer, and also uh, sometimes. Uh, uh, maybe even a requirement of an of an insurance company to to get insurance, but uh, 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 federal law, which um, the state has adopted for, uh, which is required to adopt for um, um, commercial uh, vehicle drivers, is that you uh, have to be uh, not only drug free. There's pre-employment drug testing. There's random testing. So they they cannot have these things now. Some firms that we've spoken to say they like to have a company policy so it covers everybody. So just because somebody may not be a regular truck driver, um, there may be a you know, firm where let's say, oh, some client didn't get something, you know, bring a sack of flour over, uh, you know, they forgot this on the truck. So all of a sudden they're out driving a car for a company purpose. So they may say, you know, we, we want everybody in-house to be uh, to follow this policy. So th um, that's something I don't know that there's an answer to that, but hopefully it's uh, yeah. it's on the uh, 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 it's on the agenda. Yeah, I think um, 
I mean, we could keep going, but I think I, I do need to cut it off. I do want just everybody to quickly uh, give your contact information if anybody has any questions so they could get in touch with you, starting with you, Tiffany. Oh, sure. My name is Tiffany Donaldson um, with Donaldson Legal Counseling, and it's attorneylawny.com. And feel free to follow up if you have any employment-related questions. <laughs> And for those who just tuning in who missed the intro, Noah Potter, Executive Director of the New York City Cannabis Industry Association. You can reach me at N, N, it's N like New York, Potter like Harry, at <laughs> nyccia.org. And of course, then the website is nyccia.org. Sure. And uh, one of the best ways to reach me is also through the, the New York City Cannabis Industry Association. So it's D Holland, H O L L A N D at nyccia.org. Perfect. And you could always call us, 718-997-0641, 718-997-0641. Great conversation. Thank you guys so much. You're listening to New York Truck Stop Radio. Thanks for listening to New York Truck Stop Radio. If you use trucks in connection with your business, if you have a fleet or simply drive a truck, the law office of Arthur Miller is on your team. Call right now for a complimentary consultation, 718-997-0641. That's 718-997-0641. Or visit NewYorkTruckStop.com. That's NewYorkTruckStop.com. And join us every Saturday afternoon at 1 for New York Truck Stop Radio, the voice of small business in New York City, right here on AM 970, The Answer. This program furnished by Truck Stop Enterprises, LLC.